the word of the Lord. Today we're looking in the book of Ephesians, one more time, the book of Ephesians chapter number 2. We're going to read verses 8 and 9, reminding you that fill in the blank sermon notes are on the back of your bulletin. Please make sure and fill those out. That will help you kind of stay with me this morning. It'll help you stay alert. It'll help you retain more and it'll give you something that you can take home with you. Amen. The book of Ephesians chapter number 2 today, we're going to read verses 8 and 9. And Paul is writing here and he says, By grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. This morning we are going to continue the message that we started last Sunday on the grace place, the grace place. Father, I thank you, Father, for the grace of God, Lord, that is available to all of us, Father. Thank you for that grace. And Father, I pray, Lord, that not only, Lord, will we receive grace from you, but Lord, may we become dispensers of grace, Lord, in our lives as well. Lord, let your anointing be upon us today. Give us ears upon our heart today. Father, I ask that what is in my heart, Lord, let it get out of my heart and into the heart of your people. For the glory of God, we ask in Jesus' name. All of God's people said, praise the Lord. Lord. Well, you may be reseated this morning. Well, for those of you who were not here last Sunday, and as a reminder to those of us who were, last week I began talking about the grace place. You see, God has been dealing with my heart for for months now on this subject of grace. I have thoroughly become convinced without a, beyond a shadow of a doubt, 100% convinced in my heart that God wants our church to become known as the grace place. A place for grace. Our new vision statement is caring people. Caring for people. You see, only people that are filled with grace, only grace-filled people will be able to truly care for other people. Now, we understand that there are two types of people who need grace. There there are saints and there are sinners. And how many know that's the only two kind of people there are, is saints and sinners? And yet the Bible teaches us that all, all people, two types of people that are in need of grace, saints and Sinners. The fact of the matter is there will never come a time in your life when you will have reached the point of no longer needing grace. You need grace to get saved. And then once you are saved, you need grace to stay saved. We also understand that there are two parts of grace. Now, most people only understand the first part of grace. But actually, if you'll read the word of the Lord, you will discover that there are two parts of grace. There is saving grace. And everybody, almost everybody at least, is familiar with saving grace. But let me tell you that not only is there saving grace, but the Bible also talks about sustaining grace. Well, last Sunday we began this message. And we talked about four attributes of grace. Grace. And so we're going to very, very quickly this morning review uh, these four attributes of grace. And then I want to add three more as we finish this message on the grace place. Let me suggest, as I did last Sunday morning, that the first attribute of grace is the fact that grace is unmerited. Unmerited. We found that in our text, Ephesians 8, uh, excuse me, uh, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. We actually under, understand that, that, that the word grace uh, means unmerited favor. Unmerited favor. Grace, see, grace literally means that you give to people what they do not deserve. Uh, it means that you show love to the unlovable. Uh, it literally means that you show kindness to the rude. <laughs> Uh, It means that you forgive those even if they do not ask you for forgiveness. True grace is unmerited love and favor. It is also, number two, it is unconditional. Titus chapter 2 and verse 11 tells us that. That grace is unconditional. See, You see, everybody has conditional grace. 
Uh, grace extended to the people that they love, uh, to the people they like, uh, to the people that, that, that love them. You know, it's kind of a, you scratch my back and I'll scratch yours. And yet I wonder, is conditional grace even grace at all? And then last Sunday we said that grace is unimaginable. Unimaginable. Uh, Ephesians chapter 3 verse 17 through 20 teaches this. You see, grace extends our imagination. Just think about it this morning. Try to imagine. Try to imagine in your mind this morning the lowest of the low and the scummiest of the scum and the vilest of the vile. And yet understand that God's grace exceeds even them. You see, our mind cannot even grasp. Our mind cannot even comprehend the vastness of God's grace. And then the last thing that we said last Sunday talking about grace was we said that grace is unnatural. Unnatural. We found this in Matthew chapter 5, verse 38 through 48. You see, the fact of the matter is grace goes against the grain. Danny, give me just a little more, tiny bit. Grace goes against the grain. You see, our natural tendency is the total opposite of grace. You see, our natural tendency is an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Our natural tendency is uh, is to bless those that bless us, but on the other hand, to curse those who would curse us. Let me me just say this morning that if our church truly becomes the grace place, it will not come easy. And it will not come natural. All right, that's a quick review. It took me 45 minutes last Sunday. I did it in five today, but that's a quick review of last week. And if you were not here, let me encourage you, please, to to, to get the CD, or if not, to listen to it online at our website. I want you... All to be on the same page. So let's move forward this morning and finish this two-part message on the grace place. Let me suggest number five this morning that grace, it's underestimated. You see, we, we, we just don't understand how powerful, we just don't understand how essential That grace really is. We've already said it this morning. You cannot become saved without grace. And once you become saved, you cannot live the Christian life apart from the sustaining grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's look in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 this morning. 2 Corinthians chapter number 12. And let's, let's read verses 7 through 9 this morning. A very familiar passage of Scripture, the Apostle Paul here. He said, Unless I should be exalted above measure because of the abundance of the revelations, therefore, he said, a thorn in the flesh was given to me. Oh, everybody wants to know, what is a thorn? What is that thorn in the flesh? And everybody is speculating, what is the thorn in the flesh when it's right there in the Bible? I'm not a Bible scholar. I'm a Bible student. But I know what the thorn in the flesh was. It's right there. It was given to me a thorn in the flesh. A messenger of Satan to buffet me. What was the thorn in the flesh? A messenger of Satan. To buffet me. So I would not become exalted above measure. And he said about this thing, he said, I pleaded with the Lord. I I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. Paul said, God said to me, my grace, my what? My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in your weakness. 
Paul thought that this thorn in the flesh, this, this messenger of Satan, this evil spirit, if you will, that was assigned to the Apostle Paul personally not to possess him. Paul was not possessed by a demon spirit. That's ridiculous. Not, not assigned to him to possess him, but to harass him, to malign him, to test and to try his faith. And Paul thought to himself, and he said out loud, this situation is absolutely unbearable. Oh, like Popeye used to say, I've, I've had alls I can stand and I can't stand no more. And three different times Paul cried out to God. And three different times he begged and he pleaded with God to remove this thorn in the flesh, this, this messenger of Satan that was harassing him and maligning him. Oh, he cries out to God and he says, God, it's just too much for me. God, it's just more than I can handle. God, it hurts. Please take it away. But God said to Paul, you have underestimated my grace. My grace is sufficient for you. Maybe I'm describing you. Perhaps you are here today and you think, I, I just can't handle what I'm going through. Uh, oh, the load that I am carrying is just too heavy for me to bear. Oh, I need out of this. I need God to lighten the load that I'm carrying. Let me encourage you just a little bit this morning. Sometimes he does exactly that. Sometimes when we cry out to God, he does. He lifts the load and takes the load off of our back. And he lightens the load in our life. But you hear me this morning, more often than not, more often than, the, than not, he gently whispers to us and he says, Why are you underestimating my grace? You're wanting out. Oh, you're wanting your load lightened. Why are you underestimating my, my grace? Don't you understand my grace? My sustaining power is sufficient for you. Friend, I believe that God wants this church to become the grace place. Oh, not only a safe place. Not only a saving place. Not only a secure place. But also a sustaining place. Not only a place where unmerited and unconditional love is offered, oh, but also a place where unending care is given. Oh, caring people, caring for people. Not just a slogan, but, but in hands-on proof. A place that not only preaches the first part of grace, saving grace, but also the other part of grace, sustaining grace. Grace, oh, the grace that empowers you to walk the walk and not only talk the talk. I want to pause for just a moment this morning and challenge this church. Don't underestimate the power. Don't underestimate the possibilities of grace. If this church truly becomes the grace place, whether, whether the name officially changes or not, I am totally convinced that God wants us to become the grace place, to become a place of grace. Let me ask you this morning, let me ask you, uh, uh, what if God could trust us with hurting people? What if God could trust us with hurting people. What if we could get to the point as a church where God could trust us Amen. with hurting people? What if God could trust us with the wounded? Oh, what if God could trust us with the bruised? What if He could, what if He could trust us with the unloved? Oh, and the rejected. Because you see, God will not put these types of people just anywhere. I said, God will not put these types of people just, just anywhere. Listen, friend, hear me this morning. Hear me today. Not every place is a safe place. Not every place is a healing place. Not every place is a grace place. Americans have rightly been called the walking wounded. Never before in its history has man in America especially ever had more than it has today. 
And yet there's never been a day when man was more wounded than he is today. Americans today have been wounded by rape. They've been wounded Oh, by molestation, by divorce, by abandonment, by bankruptcy, by unemployment, by adultery. And the list goes on and on and on and on and on. Listen to me this morning. Listen, listen today. The clientele, the clientele for the grace place is absolutely unending. Don't underestimate the power and the possibilities. That exists for a church that doesn't merely change its name to, but actually becomes the grace place. The sixth attribute of grace I want to talk about today is grace is unlimited. In the book of Matthew chapter number 18, the book of Matthew Chapter 18 and verse 21 and 22. Peter came to Jesus and he said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. What what was Peter asking here? He was asking Jesus, Lord, what's the grace limit? Lord, what's the grace limit? Lord, what's the number? What's the number? What's the number, Lord? Is it seven? Lord, surely if I forgive my brother or my sister, surely if I forgive even my enemy, surely if I forgive somebody seven times, Lord, Lord, if I extend grace to somebody seven times, surely that's enough. Surely I will have reached the grace limit. And no doubt, I can see in my mind's eye, Peter stands up straight and tall. Perhaps he squares his shoulders and lifts his head and he just waits for the Lord to commend him. Wow! Wow, Peter, he hears Jesus saying to him in his mind, Oh, Peter, I've never seen anyone as graceful as you. Seven times? You are willing to forgive somebody seven times? Times, Pete, do you mean to tell me your grace limit is, is seven? Wow! Wow, you are incredibly graceful, man. No. No, that's not what Jesus says to Peter at all. Jesus says to Peter, seven? Seven times? That's your limit? Are you serious? You think the grace limit is seven? Not. Jesus says, why don't you try 70 times seven. And no doubt, Peter multiplies in his head. Okay, 490. Okay. Okay, But what was Jesus actually saying to Peter? Was he saying, Peter, the grace limit is 490. Seven times 70 is 490. That's the grace limit. And at the 191st time, watch out, man, lower the boom, let them have it. Was that what Jesus was saying? (laughs) Oh, Jesus was saying the grace limit is unlimited. Let me put this in perspective this morning. Let me ask you this today. How would you like it if Jesus had a grace limit for you? I don't know about you, but I know I would already be 
beyond the limit. And by the way, how many times will God forgive us? And the answer we know is as many times as we ask Him. Oh, friend, God's grace is unlimited. Oh, how many times should we forgive others? As many times as they need it. Whether or not they ask for it. That being said, let me clarify some things. It's never time to clarify every statement that you'd like to make. We'd be up here forever. But some people take blanket statements and they just take it to where I didn't mean it to be and then I have to go correct it. Well, hear me this morning. Let me, let me, let me, let me clarify some things this morning. J- just because I forgive somebody, that, that doesn't mean that I have to stay in an abusive situation. Friend, if you are in an abusive situation, I've got two pieces of advice for you today. The first one is forgive your abuser. Forgive your abuser. It doesn't matter how they've abused you. Forgive your abuser. And it doesn't matter whether or not they have asked you to or not. You just forgive your abuser. So if you are in an abusive situation, two things you need to do. Number one, you need to forgive absolutely unconditionally. Forgive your abuser. Number two, get out of the relationship. Get out of the relationship. See, I can love people and I can forgive people that hurt me and wrong me, but that doesn't mean I have to hang around with them all the time. And that certainly does not mean that I have to be their physical or verbal punching bag. You see, people who do not believe in me, people who do not honor me, people who constantly pull me down with their unfounded Criticism of me. I can love them. I can even forgive them. But I'll tell you something. We're not hanging around each other. We're not hanging out on a regular basis. Doesn't mean I shun them. Doesn't mean I don't have anything to do with them. Doesn't mean I'm not, that I'm unkind to them. But they're not going to be in the middle of my circle. And all of us ought to have a circle around. Amen? If you're being abused in any way, if someone is constantly pulling you down with a, with a critical and negative spirit, love them, pray for them, forgive them, and get away from them. Let's talk about one more thing this morning about grace. It's my favorite of all this morning. It's unequaled. Grace is unequal. You see, there is nothing anywhere that even remotely comes close to this doctrine of grace. Religion, not even close. Religion promotes works. Oh, if you can just work hard enough. Oh, if you can just do enough good to counteract all the bad stuff in your life. Other religions merge works with grace. It's not works alone. It's not grace alone. But to to them it's the combination of the two. The combination of works and grace. And I'm talking about salvation right now. But listen this morning. True Christianity says that grace and grace alone is the pathway to salvation. Now, hear me clearly. Works are the proof that you're saved. You don't get saved because of your works, but if you're genuinely saved, the old nature passes away and a new nature is given to you. The heart of flesh is taken out. The heart of the Spirit is put in. Christians just simply means Christ-like. Or Christ's followers. So the attributes of Christ should be in our life as well. It didn't save us. It's just, it's just proof that we are saved. 
So works are the proof that you are saved. Works are the byproducts of salvation. And and the Bible teaches us that all of our rewards will come through our works. And yet Paul says in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8 and 9, our text, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, say not, not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, say gift. Listen, gifts are not earned, but they are simply received. He says, not of works, Paul says there again. Say, not of works. Not of works, lest anybody would boast. May I suggest to you this morning that grace, that freely given, unmerited love and favor, oh, grace in its purest sense is absolutely unequaled. I want to bring this home to us as a church body this morning. Friend, if our church truly becomes the grace place, a place for grace, caring people, caring for people, oh, if it actually becomes the grace place, not just a new name, but a new identity, a new spirit, a new attitude, a new atmosphere, a new reality. Because you see, it's one thing to change our name to the grace place. It's quite another thing to actually become The grace place. Do I believe God wants us to change our name to the grace place? I do. Genuinely do. But not just as a cool name. Not just as something new and different and more modern or up to date or whatever label you want to put on it. I believe it is because God wants us to become the grace place. Let me say to you this morning, if we actually do become the grace place, whether we change our name or not... Oh, if we actually do become the grace place, a true grace place would totally be unequaled. You see, you might find, you might find better worship somewhere else, though I think you'd have to look long and hard. You you, you might find better preaching somewhere else. No, (laughs) no. You might, you might find better programs. You might find better facilities. You might find better coffee in the, in the foyer uh, somewhere else. But listen to me this morning. Hear me today. A place that offers authentic, real, non-plastic grace. A place of unconditional love and acceptance. That church will be unequaled by any other church. Amen. Let me tell you. There's a market for a lot of things today. There's a market for cool. There's a market for cool. There there is a segment of people today who are looking for cool. That's what they're looking for, cool. And let me say there's nothing wrong with cool. Uh, Cool certainly beats nerdy and corny. There is a market for cool. There is a market for innovation, modern, relevant, up-to-date. There is a market for that. Let me tell you that there's even a market for traditional. There's a market for the tradition. There are people that are looking... For tradition. And there's nothing wrong in and of itself with tradition. But let me, let me just tell you that all of these markets and many more I could have described today. These markets, these potentials, whatever label you want to call them or put on them. All of these are limited. They're limited. They are limited to the segment of people that are looking for that one specific commodity. But I want to tell you this morning about a market. I want to tell you about a target audience that has unlimited potential. 
Its appeal is not limited to a small percentage of people. Its appeal is not limited to one particular generation or one single race or one social class or one doctrinal persuasion. I'm telling you that its appeal is unequaled by anything else. And I'm talking about grace this morning. Freely given, unmerited love, favor, and acceptance. And guess what its audience is. Guess what its potential is. Guess what the market is for it. Are you ready for the answer this morning? Are you ready? The entire world is its market. Did you know that every single person on planet earth is searching for grace? It doesn't matter whether you're young or middle or old. Oh, it doesn't matter what color. It doesn't matter what race. It doesn't matter if you're cool or you're trendy or you're nerdy. Oh, it doesn't matter what your social status is. It doesn't matter what your education or lack thereof. Let me tell you this morning, there is not a person on planet earth that doesn't want to be loved. There's not a person on planet earth that does not look, amen, for unconditional love, favor, and acceptance. Let me suggest to you this morning the grace place will be a place with unequaled potential. Its appeal will break through all the barriers of race, of age, of social status, and any and all other barriers. Because the one common denominator in all people is the need to be loved and accepted unconditionally. Oh, if we become the grace place, we will have to open our arms and offer unconditional love and unconditional acceptance to whoever God might send us. Listen, if we truly become the grace place, God will then trust us with the wounded. He'll trust us with the hurting. He will trust us with the bruised. Jesus said in Luke 4 and 18, He said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. Jesus said He sent me to heal the broken heart. Proclaim liberty to the captives and all recovery of sight to the blind. Set at liberty them that are bruised. The grace place will be a place for the up and out as well as the down and out. You see, when you get beyond the bling, When you get past the diamonds and the designer clothes and the fancy cars and the luxurious houses. Let me tell you this morning that when you strip all the stuff away. And when you get past all the outward appearance and look down into the heart of man. I'm telling you at the end of the day all of us are exactly alike. And whether you're a part of the down and out or whether you're a part of the up and out. Truth be known we're all just out. And all of us have the exact same need that we had in grade school when we stood in line hoping some kid would pick us for their team at recess. I'm telling you, little has changed. Little has changed. We all still have all the inordinate desire to be loved, to be accepted, to be included. Friend, the grace place will be a safe place. For all people. There's people that God won't send here right now. Because He knows if He sent them right now, somebody in this church would destroy them. And God loves them too much. And God is looking for a safe place. He's looking for a healing place. He's looking for a caring place. So that he can have a place to put the wounded, the scarred, the discarded, the unincluded. I'm dreaming. I'm dreaming. 
of a place like that. About the time I think we're getting close, I hear somebody say something that somebody said or did. Or, oh, God. amazing to me in nearly 40 years of ministry to see the people that screamed the loudest and pointed the, the longest finger at somebody else when somebody else's kid messed up or somebody else messed up. And then the boomerang they threw comes back on them. And though they had not one ounce of grace, not one ounce of mercy for their brother, they're the one also screaming the loudest for their grace. And for their mercy. But Jesus said, blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the graceful. They shall receive it. If you were not here last Sunday, and if you were, I don't want to be redundant, but I've got to say it so that those that were not here last Sunday, but for those of you that were not here last Sunday, I'm going to tell you what I believe God has spoken to me over the past several months about. General Council, a meeting of our fellowship, happens every two years. This time it was in Phoenix, Arizona. I was out there. I was all by myself. Went to all the meetings, still had much time on my own. And I spent that time in my, much of that time in my hotel room, praying, reading the word, studying, talking to God, listening to God, asking the Lord for direction for the church, asking God what he wanted to do with this church. I'm very, very careful. It's taken me six months to say this. That's how careful I am about saying that God ever says this or that to me. It's not that God talks to me every day. He he gives me impressions and we communicate every day. But but God doesn't tell me what clothes to wear and what car to buy and those kinds of things. But my heart is open before God and I'm looking for direction. God often will speak into my heart. And God very, very, very clearly and very plainly spoke to my heart six months ago and said, call your church the grace place. I heard those exact words, call your church the grace place. I got my Bible, I opened it up, I wrote that down, the grace place. I didn't know what to do with that. I didn't know if that meant change the name of the church. I didn't know if that was a new slogan. I didn't know what to do with that. I just knew in my heart, God said, call your church the grace place. I was going to test that and make sure it was God and not just pizza. I was going to test that and make sure it was God and not just a good idea or a moment of inspiration. How do you test that, Pastor? Well, one way is time. If it's a good idea, if it's a moment of inspiration, two hours from then you can't even think about it, can't even remember it. Two weeks from then you sure can't. But that has been, that has been germinating in my spirit now for over six months and it gets stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger until finally I couldn't had all I can stands I can't stands no more I got to tell somebody I didn't even tell my wife didn't even tell my board for for months I got the grace place don't know what to do with it but I know God says call the church the grace place we're going to do something with it don't know what we're going to do with it a few months later, we had Dr. Bosman. The first time that he came was a few months ago. He did a leadership seminar on Saturday. He introduced us to the Lay Pastors Network. We had that on Saturday. He preached on Sunday. I took him back to the airport on Monday. When I came back, I sat down in my office chair. All that time, I'm thinking about Lay Pastors Network. I'm thinking about, about people, ministering to people, and all of this that it entails, and And just as clear as in Phoenix, the Lord spoke to me these words, caring people, caring for people. I opened my Bible. There was the grace place. And underneath the grace place, I wrote caring people, caring for people. About four months apart, these two things are. They go together like peanut butter and jelly. They go together like chips and salsa. I'm not that smart. No amens, please. (laughs) Now I had the grace place. I had caring people, caring for people. I now know what I need to do with this. The Lord wants us to change our name. I believe it's what I believe and what I'm convinced and what I've processed to the grace place. 
the name, the grace place. Not just a name, he wants us to become the grace place. The motto, caring people, caring for people. Let me tell you that as lead pastor of this church, I can't change the name of the church. I don't have the authority to change the name of the church. We have a constitution and bylaws, and it says I can't do it. And I'm smart enough now to know I wouldn't do it anyway. Because I can, you know, if I get my way and lose half the people, I'm pretty stupid. I'm not wanting my way. I'm wanting his way. And I'm doing my best to find it. And so, and so the process is, is that our church, our, our membership, our official members, that's why you need to be a member. Amen. So that when things like this come up, you have a voice. And I've been sharing this for a couple of weeks now so that I didn't spring it on you at the last minute. I'm not shoving it down your throat. I'm not, I'm not grabbing you by the neck. I'm not threatening you. I'm not telling you, you know, I'm the man of God. I know how to hear God. You don't. Listen to me. I'm not doing any of that. I'm simply saying this is what's in my heart and in my spirit. This is what I believe God wants us to do. This is the way the leadership God wants me to give to you. I believe. I'm convinced. So the, so the membership of this church must vote. Two-thirds of the membership must vote to change the name of the church. So this coming Wednesday night, say Wednesday night. This coming Wednesday night at 7 o'clock, we're going to come. We're going to have our annual business meeting. We're going to have a financial report, other reports. We're going to, we've got a, a, a deacon to, to uh, elect. Uh, and then we're going to present uh, you with just a yes or a no on changing the name of New Bethel to the Grace Place. A couple of people have asked me this, so please, I guess I wasn't thorough, and I, and I, I appreciate the, the, the question. No, no, we are not leaving the Assemblies of God. Amen. God said the Grace Place, but we're still Assemblies of God. Always have been, always will be. Not leaving the Assemblies of God. If we change our name to the Grace Place, you look under a heading, Assemblies of God in the yellow pages or on the net, under a heading, Assemblies of God, you'll find the Grace Place. Amen. We're Assemblies of God. I've, that's all I've ever known. I told, some, I told you last Sunday, or at least one of the sermons, I think it was the second service, so let me say it in the first. Uh, I was born Assembly of God, I will die Assembly of God, okay? I'll just be another dead Assembly of God. It's a joke, okay? Kind of. No, we're not leaving the Assemblies of God. We will be Assemblies of God, we are and will. Amen. If we could get the worship team back in place this morning. Your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed today. I want to tell you this morning that the grace of God, we're talking about the grace place. We're talking about the possibility of this church changing its name to the grace place. I'm telling you whether we change it or not, this is the direction we're going. We're going to become the grace place, a place of grace. It's more about what we're becoming than what name we put on it. And yet I think the name is very significant. God said, your name's Abram, but from now on it's Abraham. God said, Simon, tired of you. <laughs> you have hoof in mouth disease. From now on, you're not Simon anymore. You're Peter. Little rock. God said, Saul, you're going to be the greatest apostle of all time. You're going to write most of the epistles. But you can't do that. As Saul, you persecuted the church of killed Christians from this day on Paul nothing wrong with the name Bethel nothing wrong with the name New Bethel it has served this church for 55 years served it well I personally believe God is saying I want to change your name I want to change your name I want to change your name to the grace place I want you to become place of grace. Maybe you're here today and you need some of this grace this morning. You need some of this unmerited love and favor and acceptance today. Maybe you're here today and you need grace for salvation. I'm telling you this morning that grace for salvation is available to you today. Your heads are bowed, your eyes are closed today and you need to be saved. You need Jesus Christ to wash your sin away. You need the grace of God 
for salvation this morning. If that's you, I want you to lift your hand real high this morning. Let me recognize somebody in this room today is in need of grace. Grace for salvation. Maybe you're here this morning and you need a second part of grace in your life today. You need sustaining grace today you're going through something today you're up against something today and you've cried out to God to remove it, you've cried out to God to lighten the load, you've cried out to God to take it off of you, but God instead is saying to you today why have you underestimated my grace my grace is sufficient my grace, my grace that saved you, my grace will also sustain you. If you're here today and you need sustaining grace in your life, let me see your hand all over this room today. Pastor, I need sustaining grace today. Sustaining grace. God bless you and you. How many others this morning? I need sustaining grace. I need God. His grace to sustain me. Thank you. God bless you. And you in the back. God bless you this morning. Can everyone stand? Everyone stand in the presence of the Lord this morning. Hallelujah. Father, I just pray for those today that lifted their hand today saying that they need sustaining grace. Lord, they're going through it today. Oh, the messenger of Satan has attached himself to them today. He, that, that messenger, the, that, that, that demonic influence that is, that is harassing, that is maligning, that is testing, that is trying, that is torturing, that is working against this child of God. God, I just pray today that, Lord, God, that your grace, Lord, your, your, your grace, Lord, your sustaining power, Lord, will be known to them today. God, I pray for the peace of God that passes all understanding. Lord, to guard the heart and the mind of your people today for the glory of God, I ask in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Oh, can we worship Him in song this morning? Can we worship Him in song today?
every single one of us today. I don't care if you're the lead pastor. I don't care if you're a staff member or staff member's wife, a deacon, a teacher. I don't care who you are this morning. I want to challenge all of us today to take a look on the inside of us. See if there's somebody we have not forgiven. See if we are holding a grudge. See if we are holding somebody at arm's length. You say, well, we, you know, they mess with us, we're not supposed to. I, I said you're not supposed to be their best friend, but that doesn't mean we put up a wall and we hold them out and we, we treat them different, we treat them bad. I didn't say that. Most of the time, the people that look at somebody else and say, you've got a speck. Wendy, I see a speck in your eye. Yeah, I see a speck in your eye. I wonder how I can see that speck because I got this big four by four. If we do become the grace place, whether we change our name or not, if we become the grace place, we cannot be people with boulders in our eyes criticizing other people respects in theirs. Father, I pray today, Lord, I pray that you will reveal, reveal to the people, Lord, reveal to all of us, reveal to me, God, reveal to me. If there's somebody that I have not forgiven, if there's somebody that I have fought against, if there's somebody that that I need to forgive, God, I, I pray that you'll bring that person to my mind. And help me to release them and to forgive them. And help me to get the boulder out of my eyes.